So thank you for joining me on the Urantia Radio Podcast. We have a couple of great topics coming up. We're going to continue a discussion that we had with Byron Belitzos about evil and the impact that Lucifer continues to have in our society, even up to today. So we'll get into that a little bit. And then also there was a new article that I read that is very exciting because it merely confirms what the Urantia book has been saying all along about a particular aspect of migration and the human race. So we'll get to all that. I also want to remind you that we are now streaming Urantia Radio on our website, and we are featuring this week old recordings from Bill Sadler. Now, if you don't know who Bill Sadler, he's one of four or maybe five of the original contact commissions. These were people that were involved in the very early stages about the time that the Arantia book began to make its appearance in Chicago. So these are the actual words of Bill Sadler explaining the concepts of the Arantia book to the students in Oklahoma during the late 1950s. What I find really exciting is, number one, it's the late 1950s, and the world has certainly changed a lot since then. But it's also interesting to hear how this man, who had the Arantia book in his life, most of his life, goes about explaining some of the concepts. And I think it helps us gain a real terrific understanding of the more complex angles of the Arantia book. So I'm going to leave it up on our streaming site every night. You can tune in. I hope you will. Uh, and it's about five hours worth of audio. So I know that you'll enjoy it. And I encourage you to check it out. Uh, after 6 p.m. Eastern until the wee hours of the night, we'll air them for at least the next couple of weeks on UrantiaRadio.net. That's the website, UrantiaRadio.net. I also hope that you will join me on, on my articles. I just posted a, a terrific article, some of which we'll be talking about on this edition of the Arantia Radio podcast. So hang on. We're going to play a little insert that helps us pay for all of this. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to another edition of the Arantia Radio Podcast. My name is Jim Watkins, and it's good to be here. Thank you so much. I hope that you were able to enjoy one of many. There looked like there were all kinds of celebrations going on this past week with the Jubilee of Jubilees. And I want to thank, I, I just want to really give a, 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 a spirit-felt thank you to both Diane Lebrecht and Joshua Wilson for coming on and giving us some insight. And if you were able to watch their Zoom presentation that they did on the 21st, I know that you were delighted and inspired, as so many of us uh, are delighted and inspired by what the Arantia book teaches us about this momentous occasion. And uh, I, I do have a couple of interesting subjects to talk about this time. There was a recent discovery made. They continue to do DNA uh, research, and they're crawling back into time, and they're they're learning more and more about us. And what's really cool about it is when they make the discoveries that pretty much confirm what the Arantia book was saying all along. Now, if you listen to any of my podcasts, you know that that really gives me a lot of excitement. When I find something in astronomy or something in anthropology or paleontology, that's why I put some of that stuff up on the on the Urantia website, because the UrantiaRadio.net website has, if you noticed, 
not only our past archives and our articles, but it also has stuff that's coming out in astronomy news and also in other sciences. So, and because the Arantia book has a lot of science in it and, and asks us to integrate a philosophy of, of science, philosophy, and religion, uh, it, it seems to me that it's a great place where you can read about all the new discoveries. So do check out my uh, website, which is urantiaradio.net. It will also make it easier for you to uh, listen to the podcast if you don't have a particular podcast. Somebody said to me once, they said, you know, Jim, it's, I'm an old person and I'm not familiar with all of this technology. Where do I go to get a podcast? I mean, is there a place? And there's so many different places, right? I say the easiest thing to do is just search for it. Just search podcast and then the name of it. And it will pop up and you can find it pretty easily. So if you wanted to share this podcast with a friend, the easiest way to do it is tell them, well, just just type podcast, your answer radio, and you'll find this podcast everywhere. And it's uh, the first one that shows up on the search engine. So anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit about this exciting DNA discovery. And then also, uh, and go back into the Urantia book and pull from its pages some of the more interesting things that corroborate this new discovery. So, but before we do that, I, I want you to read an article that I just posted. And it's called History of the Lucifer Rebellion and Why It Matters. And of late, if you haven't picked up on it yet, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And I wanted to address head-on Lucifer's influence in the day or his days when the rebellion was underway and how it has impacted us on a lot of different levels. And this is the the usual Christian thing where we're going to go into the Adam and Eve and the fall and the apple. We're not going anywhere near that. That that is biblical. That is scriptural. Uh, If you are already set, and you believe that all evil comes from the evil one, then, you know, I don't want to get into any kind of debate about it. I'm only talking about what was in the Arantia Papers and why it, it, it makes such an appeal to me. So I hope you'll go read it. It's an article, UrantiaRadio.net, called History of the Lucifer Rebellion and Why It Matters. And then I want you to consider what I'm about to tell you, because I think this my statement here is more of an epilogue to that article, and I really hope you'll read it. And I also people, I also hope that people who don't know the Arantia book will read it too, because everybody's asking, why is there such evil in the world today? There is a lot of evil. I just saw something that was so dark, and it was, you, you might have seen it on social media, it's floating out there somewhere, and it's from Jim Caviezel. Remember Jim from Passion of the Christ, terrific actor. And he's in another movie that has been delayed, 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 and it's called Sound of Freedom. And if you haven't heard about it, I I don't want to ruin your day. If you have heard about it, you know how serious it is. Uh, All the child trafficking that's going on in the world is, is beyond abominable, okay? It's beyond evil. A lot of things that are going on today, you have to scratch your head. And you say, my goodness, where did this strangeness come from? Why are people so evil? Why are people so capable of being so uh, dark? And the epilogue for me is 
what I think Calagastia wants or hopes to achieve, and why he continues to peddle the ever-attractive unbridled liberty concept or self-expressed liberty, which is a clever disguise, really. And for those of us who are familiar with the, the Lucifer Rebellion and also the role that Calagastia played, let me, let me just go into it a little bit here. I believe that the devil gets his delight in seeing us fail. He takes pride when seeing us become selfish like he is, because in some way, maybe it vindicates him. Lan and Andek's sons are a fairly high order. They're about halfway between human and Michael in terms of divinity attributes. So it would be, in my opinion, too, simplistic for us to just assume the devil simply wants our souls, which is what is generally taught. I think it goes much deeper than that. I think he wants you to believe there is no such thing as the soul. I think that's his intent. If he can move you away from all of this talk about divine endowment and spirit progress, or even wanting to have a relationship with God, Caligastia would rather have us look the other way to unbridled passion and complete hedonism and extreme secular humanism. That is his goal, whether he does it through the individual or through whatever way he is able to influence minds around the world. And I think that the main reason I believe our culture is so easily deceived by the self-liberty doctrine is because we were deprived of the cosmological duties that such freedom entails. So in other words, God gave us this this ability, this great potential. He gave us mind, he gave us freedom of choice, free will, self-determination. But with that comes tremendous responsibility. And that message would have been taught to us. It would have been wired in or baked in over eons of time had there not been a rebellion. And it's not to say that there wouldn't have been some bumps along the way. Maybe Calagastia in his own way would have defaulted and we'd be right back to where we are today. But if we had been delivered of that message, that cosmic relationship message that tells us that there's an economy of spiritual life awaiting us, and if we were taught that early on in our development, we, we wouldn't have near the number of problems that we have today with rampant evil. You know, without the rebellion, Caligasia's prior mission might have been successful. Adam and Eve might have been more successful, perhaps not even you know, being a necessity of Michael to show up and hit reset, if you know what I mean. Because Caligastia choose to follow Lucifer's manifesto. His pride only allows for him to continue to try to prove he's right, that there is no God and that there is no need for suffering. And that's what some of the article goes into. So when we think of what the evil influence is in our world today, it is most certainly centered around pride, a self-serving need, of affirmation, continual attention at the expense of doing things in God's way, which based on his character is to be a giver and not a taker. God gives all of himself. He is self-distributive all over the universe. And he only asks that he allow, that we allow his light to shine in our lives in and through the act of giving to others. That's God's will. Simple. But Lucifer, as we know, fought back against that by declaring that God doesn't exist and therefore those rules do not apply to him. Now, it's possible that he changed his mind. Who knows? The authors indicate he has lost his equilibrium and it is pride that keeps him from repenting. So it must also be true for Caligastia. And then I'll say one more thing about that. 
we know that Caligastia is here. And we know, uh, just as, as he had influence on Serapatatia, and, and, and the, of course, you remember him, the Syrian Nodite, who convinced Eve to mate with Cano, Cain's father, biological father, which led to the default. And so there's no reason to believe that Caligastia is not still influential today, meddling in our affairs. The question becomes who and how. And we may never have that clear answer. Why would we? Pride is a very powerful thing. That's what I'll say. Pride is being pushed everywhere. We have a month of pride. People of enormous influence want legacies. They want to know they did something. And that's why there's so many people pushing this. They think they're pushing something virtuous, but it's actually creating a whole list of other issues. Chief among them, the breaking down of the family unit. Uh, and so we have people like George Soros who are influence peddling, thinking that they're doing something for the greater good. Bill Gates operates the same way. We don't know if these people are influenced positively or negatively. But I do think that Bill Gates is not a very religious man. And I know that George Soros is not a very religious man. Perhaps Caligastia has some other misguided leader in his crosshairs. Someone like the father of transgender ideology, John Money, who was not only an atheist, but was also a practicing pedophile, the father of transgenderism. Read about him. Read about David Weimer sometime. You'll see pure evil. And he was never brought to justice. And he is, in fact, heralded today by the progressives who enjoy transhumanism, which is very much a way of, of saying no to God. Transgenderism uh, in children is, in my opinion, the wrong path. But it's an example of humanity playing with reality. We're now in that stage where we've had so much freedom, we don't know what to do with it. So now we're making up our own rules because we have the freedom to create our own context. Does that sound even morally right to you? Evil exists because people desire to embrace principles, and abrogate cosmic duty. Evil is only potential uh, as a contrast to good. And when it is acted upon, it becomes actual. So when I see pride flags, I actually see Caligastia smiling somewhere because he knows as long as there are people who are all wrapped up in their own pride, they're not thinking about the divine plan. And that suits him well. And I think he gets a real victory in that. So we'll pick up on that subject again. If you want to respond to it, feel free to. Radio at gmail.com. I'd love to share your insight. But I, I think that I'm in the majority on this one. Again, it's all about self, self-pride, self-liberty, self-self-self. Those are Luciferian constructs. Lucifer said, assert yourself. If you want to get to know what Lucifer's manifesto was and why it's so wrong, the Arantia book is a great place to start. Okay, so uh, we want to move it along here, and I've got another subject that I want to share with you, and this ha- has to do with an article that came out, and I'll share that with you. Uh, where is the article? Where is the article? Here it is. Written by Jessica Stewart, and the article is from MyModernMet.com. MyModernMet. So it's probably from one of the museums in New York. They said that using DNA analysis, researchers from the Chinese Academy of Sciences 
have made some surprising discoveries about the ancestry of Native Americans. They looked at mitochondrial DNA passed down in females to follow the trail of an ancestral lineage that might link East uh, Asian Paleolithic age populations to founding populations in Chile, Peru, Bolivia, Brazil, Ecuador, Mexico, and California. This is new discovery from DNA. So what they ended up discovering is that during the Ice Age, humans migrated from northern China to Japan and then to the Americas. It is commonly accepted that the Native Americans are descendants of Siberians who crossed the temporary Bering Strait land bridge. However, new findings published in Cell show that these ancestors most likely landed on the Pacific coast. The researchers determined this by analyzing over 100,000 contemporary and 15,000 ancient DNA samples from across Eurasia to eventually identify 216 contemporary and 39 ancient individuals belonging to this rare lineage. And it goes on to say that through genetic mutation, geographic locations, and carbon dating, it appears that these travelers would have landed in America prior to the land bridge being open. In fact, they believe that these intrepid individuals came over in two different waves. The first migration would have occurred between, and they're putting out the date, between 20,000 and 26,000 years ago. And this time, the ice sheets in northern China would have made conditions inhospitable and forced people to seek out better climate. So they're learning now that climate was a main driver in that migration. And they got it right. I mean, they really, let me continue, and then I'll, I'll reference the Urantia aspect of this. The second radiation would have happened between 11,500 and 19,000 years ago, when the melting of these ice sheets led to a population boom. This fact, coupled with the better climate, may have pushed people to explore new locations. And then finally it says, Interestingly, the genetic research also showed a link between Native Americans and the Japanese. The researchers hypothesized that during the de-icing period, part of the population from northern China migrated to Japan, and while others set off for the Americas. This theory is backed up by archaeology, as these regions of China, Japan, and the Americas show similarities to how arrowheads and spears were crafted. And then it concludes, though the origin, origins of several founder groups remain a mystery, these findings are another piece of the human development puzzle. So, if you know or are familiar with uh, various papers 64, let me read from paper 64 of the Urantia book. And, and I'm kind of jumping in here, but listen to how closely this connection confirms what this new article has stated. When the relatively pure line remnants of the red race forsook Asia, there were 11 tribes and they numbered a little, little over 7,000 <clears throat> men, women, and children. These tribes were accompanied by three small groups of mixed ancestry, the largest of these being a combination of the orange and blue races. These three groups never fully fraternized with the red man and early journeyed southward to Mexico and Central America, where they were later joined by a small group of mixed yellows and reds. Now remembering, this is the time of about 400 to 300,000 years ago and closer, where we had six distinct races all migrating from Asia and parts of 
Saudi Arabia, Middle East. These people were all intermarried and found a new and amalgamated race, one which was much less warlike than the pure-line redmen. Within 5,000 years, this amalgamated race broke up into three groups, establishing the civilizations respectively of Mexico, Central America, and South America. Then it says something key here. The South American offshoot did receive a faint touch of the blood of Adam. And then we refer to paper 78. We go down here and it really cuts to the chase. If we can find it from paper 78. 132 of this race, again talking about the migration from Asia to the West. Much later, this was, this was long after the Red Man had entered along the Bering Straits. It says 132 of this race embarking on a fleet of small boats from Japan eventually reached South America and by intermarriage with the natives of the Andes established the ancestry of the later rulers of the Incas. They crossed the Pacific by easy stages, tearing on the many islands they found along the way. But the 132 reached the Pacific a long time ago. Isn't that fascinating that in 1935, when this was written, they nailed it. And here again, it says, The red and the yellow races are the only human stocks that ever achieved a high degree of civilization, apart from the influences of the Andites. The oldest Amerindian culture was the Anamanalantan Center in California, which again, going back, referring to the article, they say that there's remnants of this red and yellow race in California that is Asian. But this had long since vanished by 35 BC. In Mexico, Central America, and in the mountains of South America, the later and more enduring civilizations were founded by a race predominantly red, but containing a considerable admixture of the yellow, orange, and blue, which were all of Asian descent. And then finally, there's this. Again, this is substantiating the article that was just public based on new discovery in DNA. These civilizations were evolutionary products of the Sangeeks. The Sangeeks were the original modern human, I guess, the colored races. We know this from the Arantia book. Notwithstanding the traces of Andite blood reached Peru, excepting the Eskimos in North America and a few Polynesian Andites in South America, the people of the Western Hemisphere, hemisphere had no contact with the rest of the world until the end of the first millennium after Christ. In the original Melchizedek plan for the improvement of the Arantia races, it had been stipulated that one million of the pure-line descendants of Adam should go and upstep the red man of the Americas. Because by the time Adam and Eve were here, which is approximately 40,000 years ago, the red man had already long since left Asia and had migrated to North America. So this, these, these papers, 79, 78, 67, 64, all confirm almost with uh, some striking accuracy of the article that was recently published in Cell Magazine. You might want to look it up if you want to do some reading. It's probably on the website, too, urantiaradio.net under science. But again, it's written by a woman, and I think I had her name, but uh, I'll have to go back to that. And uh, it, it's just, again, it... it it's always makes it always makes me thrilled when I see something like this. The name of the author is Jessica Stewart. 
And uh, and that's where we'll leave it today, this time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. I sure appreciate you stopping by, and I hope that you've enjoyed our conversation this time. And we'll certainly do it again in a future episode. Keep writing, keep communicating, and we love that you are here. We're almost at 110,000 downloads, and I think that's pretty terrific. The Arantia Revelation, boy, we sure need it. Share it with a friend. And we'll see you again soon on the Arantia Radio Podcast.